0: Log Talk Radio. Trying to guess exactly what's in store for a new head writer's regime based on the first episode? That's insane. And yet, sometimes we do kind of crazy things here. So, let's get the show started. Everybody, happy hump day if you're listening live, happy whatever day of the week it happens to be if you're listening via the archive. Welcome to another edition of Tune In Tomorrow. I'm your host, Richard Sims, the executive editor at Soaps In Depth, and also the guy that if you join us for live tweeting, whether on Soaps In Depth CBS or Soaps In Depth ABC, I'm the person you're interacting with. So... Nice to hang out with you. Oh, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, Today was the first episode of Ron Carlevati's tenure at Days of Our Lives, so we'll kind of take a look at that. Um, I also want to talk about a conversation that has been coming up on Twitter a little bit of late recently regarding um, uh, Kane's situation on The Young and the Restless and whether or not it was... Um, whether well whether it was rape there, there are rape accusations being thrown about and it's a really interesting topic it's come up before the same thing happened a while back with Thomas and Caroline on the Young and the Restless and of course it all comes down to an issue of consent um, and whether you, you know whether when you're And the fact that legally you are not able to consent to sex when you are as, um, you know, uh, blotto as the people in these scenarios are. Um, For me, it also comes down to another thing, and we'll discuss that. Uh, And, of course, there's still no word on what's probably the biggest cliffhanger in daytime right now, which is whether or not William DeBry will sign a new contract. So or have you know, whether he and GH will be able to reach an agreement. So lots of stuff to talk about. If you want to join the conversation, please call me at 714-868-0749. Again, that's 714 868 0749. Once you're on the air, uh, you'll be prompted to uh, send a signal to me that will indicate that you're on the line. If by chance you are on the line and you think I may not know that you want to come on the show, just uh, drop me a note in the uh, in the chat room or on Twitter. I'll check the ABC Twitter account, which is at ABC occasionally to see if there's anyone there. We have a couple of people already on the line, so I'm just going to do some brief opening comments here, and then we'll dive in and start talking to people. Um, as I said, today was Carlovati's first day, Ron Carlovati, who was the head writer at One Life to Live and the head writer at General Hospital, and um, there's been a lot of excitement about this. And of course, we've had time to get ready for Ron Carlovati's first episode because we knew about it so far in advance, and days taped so far in advance. you know they tape like five months in advance, so we've sort of had a countdown to this day, knowing it was coming. So what did we get? We got a really good solid episode um it's like I said, it's a little bit ridiculous to judge a new head writer's tenure based on or or even you know to, to judge anything about them based on one episode of a show because of course uh unless they're going to sort of you know, pull a a uh, Dallas and have a character get out of the shower and say, "Well, all that bad stuff that nobody liked that's happened over the last year was a dream, and it's all starting again now." You know, what you basically got today was one episode, but it was a really good episode. Uh, we got the uh, more information on. Angelica's plot against Adrian. We got um, um, Deidre Hall clearly having a blast playing both Marlena and her uh, doppelganger, which <laughs> which uh, her doppelganger Hattie, which Hattie you know blissfully uh, misspoke in. I believe she called her a gobbledanger or some such thing. Uh, the, the the last couple minutes with the Chad Dario Abby triangle with. Dorio, you know, sort of making this threat and walking out and Abigail ignoring Chad's message and and then sliding down to the foot of the bed as the music, beautiful music swelled. I mean, it was just classic soap opera. So there were a lot of things that this hit right out of the bar, ballpark right from day one for me. Of course, T- only time will tell because right now we're seeing storylines that were picked up as opposed to new storylines being set in motion, so it's it's a little bit difficult to tell what we should expect as a whole but i'm all in i'm really excited it was a lot of fun uh you know my personal vision if I was coming in and and you know, in the old days, when new soap opera writers took over, we, we knew but it wasn't really, you know, that big a deal. It was sort of, you know, the audience wasn't necessarily aware. But now a large portion of the audience, thanks to the Internet and Twitter and, and the magazines and everything else, uh, a large portion of the audience kind of knows that uh, that it's coming. So if I was coming in, I would totally, okay, here's my plan. Here's what I would do for day one. The episode begins, and you open on salem and it's devastated it's you know been 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 hit by a bomb and there's bodies and fire and you know it just looks like it looks like hell has descended upon salem and of course, the audience is like, "What the hell was that?" You go to the opening credits, you come back, and the first thing you see is someone waking up from a nightmare. Uh, and, and they clearly were dreaming that. And why I would do that is because you would get so much publicity out of it because it's sort of like saying, sex, okay, now that I've got your attention, let's consume, you know, let's let's move forward with the episode as regularly scheduled. So I think it would be really fun. I think, you, you know, you would, for like two minutes, you would set Twitter on fire. You would certainly get mainstream attention for having, like, kind of played this sort of mean, cruel prank on the audience. And then, you know, people could settle in and focus on it being really just the next episode of the show. So there's that. Uh, We're going to take our first caller here uh, because I want to get some uh, voices in here and I need to get a soda because my throat is a little parched. Uh, So we're bringing on 267. 267, you're on the line. Who is this?
1: I am so excited to be on the Ellen DeGeneres show. I have always wanted to be on the podcast, and this is now a reality. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me, Ellen.
0: Didn't I block your calls? <laughs> Apparently
1: not, because somehow I found a way to get through.
0: <laughs> Hello, ladies and Ladies and gentlemen, it's like old times. If you listened to the podcast before my what I lovingly call my hiatus of like a year and a half – He was a regular here, he is the master over at Soap Central, Uh, and despite some of the things we say about one another on Twitter, he is, (laughs) honestly, he is one of my favorite people on the planet, he's one of my dearest friends, it's Dan Cole, and I am so happy to have you here tonight, welcome aboard, (laughs) welcome back.
1: Uh, You really just, (laughs) thanks, it feels like it's been forever, I took a hiatus, I'm away, I'm doing things, I'm up to stuff. (laughs) And uh, I, I had the opportunity to sneak a couple of minutes here to hang out with you and all of the people who are listening because there are so many things to talk about. It feels like it, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And I have to turn my phone off in the background. <laughs> but other than that, uh, I think it's it's. Uh, – I'm glad to be here. I think we're going to have a good time.
0: I'll tell you, watching today's soaps, it was I, – I was hit by – it felt like a good day to be a soap opera fan. You know, just the shows really were on fire. I felt like everybody put on a good show today. And I sort of wonder, you know, Days of Our Lives filmed so far in advance, and we've known for quite a while that um, that July 19th today was going to be Carla first day. And I sort of wonder... Did the other shows step up their game knowing that that was the case, you know, knowing that, oh, geez, we've got some competition. We've got, a, you know, a new player on the field today or a familiar player. Yeah, You know, what do you think?
1: It's an, you know, I hadn't actually thought about that. That's a pretty interesting idea. Uh, part of it that would work and maybe wouldn't work is with preeminent with planning for days of our lives, all those months and weeks and whatever in advance. And then we have constant news interruptions. It could, have, it could have gone the other way. They could have tanked and gotten a fluff episode thinking that this would air at the same time. And really the only ones that I think it would be an issue for would maybe be The Young and the Restless. And possibly the bold and the beautiful, depending upon where things air, uh, GH doesn't really air against days in any of the markets that I know about. So I don't know if they particularly cared one way or the other, if they were better today than others. But, I mean, for me, with live tweeting, and I know that you were doing it as well, being in New York and, and me in Philadelphia, we're in the same general time zone and everything airs the same at the same time, I should say. Um, it was hard. I had to pick to choose uh, to tweet the entire hour of days and then pick up the second half of The Young and the Restless because they overlap for 30 minutes. And I really wanted to be there for the first episode of Days, which was killing me. Uh, I had picture in picture so I could still see what was going on on The Young and the Restless. But um, I, I don't know. It's, it's a really good question.
0: That was the same you know, quandary that I had going into it. And I finally decided you know I do Almost every day I live tweet uh, the Young and the Restless and the Bold and the Beautiful and General Ha started sort of trying to get back into Days of Our Lives and watching at least the first half before Y&R comes on um, over the last couple of weeks. I mean, I've always kept up with Days of Our Lives, but, you know, it hasn't really been a show that I was – very interested in over the last year or so, (laughs) um, to put it nicely. Um, So, you know, but but today I said, no, you know what, I'm going to tweet the whole episode. I'll join the Young and the Rustles in progress. And I know it was a little bit of a cheat on my part, but I, I really felt like, you know, it was a big enough occasion that it was worth doing. Having said that, what were your thoughts of our first episode?
1: It's funny because uh, for the folks out there who were listening and they listen to your scenario of how you would have started your first episode of Days as a Head Writer to sort of fake everybody out, I absolutely love that. And there's a part of me that thinks that would have been one of the best things to do or maybe even carry it for the entire episode, really just to get people uh, messed up. Find out everything that everybody hates on the show or that everybody wishes they had done differently. Do it. Uh, make as many people go as crazy as possible and then you know say oops sorry you know just kidding our real episode starts tomorrow but I like it you know what would have
0: really gotten people excited if as we were burning Salem to the ground oh should I say it can I say it will I say it I think I will if Jade was seen among the rubble I'm sorry (laughs) I hate saying it but I just I, I just Jade just makes me unhappy like she walks in the room with her frown and her sadness, and her she's like she's like Pigpen on in Charlie Brown, and she just walks around with that cloud over her head, and she walks in, and you know it just makes me sad, and so I think that if I saw her body laying in the rubble, I'd be yes, we're off to a good start. <laughs>
1: Well, then, in fairness, what they should have done is had her been the only one who left who was surviving the burning <laughs> just to make everybody <laughs> even worse. Um, that actually might have been kind of funny. But no, I think for me uh, and and for, you know, Days has really kept a lot of what was going on on the first episode sort of under wraps, not to give too much away. There is that part of me that wondered, gee, I wonder what they're really going to do. Are they going to go all in and make this a clear cut from the past so it shows that, hey, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to do what we did in the past. We're going to try to be different. Would they, they try to break that fourth wall or would they do something more subtle and just sort of carry on like nothing happened? And it was interesting because uh, I'm going to jump in on in, in the middle of what I'm saying is for anybody who is listening, uh, whether you're listening live or whether you're listening on Twitter, if you are someone who is not familiar with Ron Carlovati's work. If you did not watch One Life to Live, if you did not watch General Hospital, I'd be interested to hear what you expected. I I know Richard would, too, because he and I have talked about this a bit, but I want to know what people who don't know. Uh, For me, for you, for a lot of the other folks, we know what Ron brings, Uh, certainly with a lot of the the little humor bits that came up there, the uh, goppeldanger. That was funny because I'm like, Oh, yep, yeah, well I I've got you know, you could feel that there was a little bit of, of uh encouragement to be more fun, which I think Ron brings. And I think there were other bits and pieces seeing with Hattie and seeing how she was. It's reminiscent. Now, don't anybody go on and saying I'm saying that he's recycling ideas. But it reminded me a little bit of watching Erica Slezak on One Life to Live when she was having fun with her altars. Um, not that Hattie's an alter, but you could see that, you know, there's, there's certain elements that made me say, ah, yes, it's nice to have Ron back. Uh, there was the romance. There were, all the people who mattered were shown uh, for those of you who don 't agree with that, all the ones that mattered to me were shown for the most part, and I really really enjoyed it. It was a good hour
0: a couple thoughts there um, I think you 're completely right. I think the interesting thing is if you tuned in as someone who has sort of you know drifted away from the show, you got a lot of the things that may have pushed you away in the past you got like so many of the vets that had been you know you got uh, uh, great stuff with, with John and Marlena and and Hattie and and you saw, you know, they, they played the younger storyline with Chad and Abigail and Dario. What's interesting to me is, you know, we always talk, both you and I when we're talking, when we're interacting with our various followers for both Soaps in Depth and Soap Central. On Twitter, when we're talking about, so we talk about, we, we sort of educated Soap fan. And when I say educated, I don't mean like, you know, they went to good schools or whatever. I mean, they are people who kind of know basically the same things we know. Like, they knew that Ron Carlovati's first episode was mm-hmm. today. It'd be interesting, you know, there is a whole swath of the audience out there. Who doesn't know? Who may yep. not even care? And I'd be interested to know, you know, what they thought of the episode. Like, was I don't think it was jarring at all. I think, I think it felt like another episode of Days of Our Lives. It felt like a good episode of Days of Our Lives. And Days of Our Lives, no matter, and I'll say this of any so, no matter who the writer is, and no matter how much you don't particularly like the head writer, I I think it's almost impossible to. to for a show not to have good days you know you get a scriptwriter in there who even even though the storylines may be stuff you don't like they have a good day they have a good scriptwriter, and you can tell the actors were really into the script <laughs> and that can that can easily happen so you know we are sort of prematurely judging based on one episode and like i said that's silly to do because you know who knows what will happen over the next six months but i think i feel really safe in saying that that Whether you were somebody who tuned in for Ron's writing or somebody who didn't even know that there was a new writer, you got a really good, solid episode today.
1: It's also, I would imagine, when you're coming in as a new head writer starting, uh, it's not like anything else. It's not like a new job where, you know, you show up at your desk and everything is new and fresh and you're starting. I mean, you still have stuff that you've inherited uh, and you don't – I mean, you can't start on your first day and completely – ignore everything that happened the day before i mean i guess you could with the dream sequence but uh, i mean there's only but so much you can do i kind of think that for this it may be what maybe i guess maybe even a full month or more before everything that ron has sort of realized hits the air so i mean that might be a better uh, i guess a better indicator
0: but um, sure, no also- i really want to hear from people It also, I think, depends on how much influence he had on the stuff before his official day. You know, we had been hearing for a while that there was stuff filmed. I mean, because let's face it, they could not have come in there today and just had Hattie show up. You know, they had to drop the seeds for that in the in the episodes before that. You know, uh, Angelica has been on the canvas for a couple weeks now, and she's been scheming against Adrian. And, and so you have to wonder at what point was Ron's influence that, you know, okay, this is what mm-hmm. I'm going to do, so I need you guys to start sort of um, dropping this now. The other interesting thing is, let's take this from the complete opposite point of view. We're going to go to a place that is is not a comfort zone for you. So feel free to um, your bedroom. Just... <laughs> oh, I'm awkward. awkward! Awkward. Continue. You, you're you starting. Saying. You realize you're starting rumors now, which is just weird. Well, people already that think was... that
1: you hate me, and they. Ask me all the time, why does Richard Sims hate you so much? And it's funny because I know, because and it, I know and that and you honestly,
0: don't. It's so funny, Dan and I. <laughs> long before we met, you know, we had been interacting online for quite some time, um, and and long before we met, we just we just we were on the same wavelength. I mean, you know, we're just we're just two people who really really get along very very well and connect. And and it is funny because people sometimes think that we really hate each other, and I'm like. I'm so mean. Like today, I said on Twitter, I said that um, when Nina was looking at her plan, the the plan that Valentine had drawn up, I said something like, "Oh, a, a a a nursing home for horses where old nags can go to die. I bet Dan will have a room there, you know." And people, and I got a message from someone saying, "Oh my God, why do you hate him so much?" I'm like, "I don't. I love Dan." But, okay, no, we're going to go somewhere. See, notice how I moved quickly away from that as much as I could <laughs> from that hole. <laughs> we're going to a different place that you're not necessarily comfortable with, and that is looking at this from the opposite side is uh, watching today's episode, I could see certain things where, you know, um, I could see how haters would – Attack. You know, the things that haters would pick up, they would say, oh, you know, because, you know, from from the point of view of, you have to keep in mind, not everybody likes every head writer. You know, Ron was crazy popular at at General Hospital, but he also had people who really didn't like his style of writing. And so those people looked at it, and, you know, you sort of mentioned – um, uh, Hattie reminding you of, or, or it could be reminiscent of Erica's, uh, uh, Vicky's personalities on One Life to Live. It could mm-hmm. also be very reminiscent of you know people ripping off masks on General Hospital, which people had a love-hate relationship with. Some people loved that stuff. Other people really hated it. The difference I think here is. Weirdly, it really fits on Days of Our Lives. It's you know, if you look at classic Days of Our Lives, they are a show that has super villains that has sort of over the top plots. And I think what they did today that was kind of brilliant. In this day and age, you know, I'm all about soaps need to move into the modern age and and tell you know more relevant stories. But if you're going to tell a doppelganger story in this day and age, you have to have fun with it. You can't treat it like it's deadly serious. And that's what they did today. I mean, those scenes were laugh-out-loud funny. And and so I'm I'm kind of a, I'm a big fan of what they did today.
1: No, I actually agree with that. And I know that, I don't know if when we do Young, the Restless talk, if uh, we'll get to the part where you talked about you know, wanting to do something that's a little more current, a little more on trend. I know there's something that we talked privately about with the young and the restless, uh, that you took some heat for, but, uh, it will be interesting. I I kind of with Ron, I know in his interview with another publication, he had said that someone for a long period of time said that he would be a good fit at days of our lives. I kind of want to know, did he say, well, what the hell does that mean? Um, or (laughs) if he understood, you know, like, do you think there's a joke? Um, and then, I mean, I kind of also want to know, uh, I'd be interested to know from Ron, the inherent pressures. There was the first bit where he said, you know, uh, he may have been hired before the show was picked up, which would be interesting. You take a job and, you know, you're writing for two months and then you're done because the show is over. But I wonder if I wonder if there's a lot of pressure with the, hey, Ron, it's up to you to save days of our lives from being canceled. It's on you. Uh, like, is there pressure? Is there no pressure with the well? It doesn't matter really what I do. If they want to cancel it, they're going to cancel it. Um, You know, I, I like. I feel like that's a heap of pressure. At least in my mind, I would see it as a heap of pressure.
0: I feel like it's a huge amount of pressure, and I also feel like it's the pressure put on every head writer who is brought into a show for the first, you know, because mm-hmm. you don't bring in a new head writer when everything's great. You don't bring in a new head writer when the ratings are soaring. You know, you bring in a head writer when there's trouble. And in this day and age, given the, given how many soaps have been canceled in the last decade, you know. It, When when your ratings are to the point where you're bringing in a new writer, not because the writer quit, not because the writer resigned, but because there's trouble at the show and the numbers are down, that's pressure. Because we know at this point, in the old days, it was – I remember when when we started the magazine in 1997, it was – It was almost impossible to imagine soaps being canceled because they just weren't. They just, you know, they just always were and always had been. And now, of course, we're in a world where we have four existing soaps, and it sort of feels as if they live constantly on the bubble. So, you know, yeah, I I think there has to be a huge amount of pressure there. Um, I want to talk about something that I mentioned in the opening, and I want to get your take on this. It's something that's come up on Twitter a couple times over the last – A couple of months, but it's really taken on a stronger um, tone lately. And that's the story on The Young and the Restless with um, Lily Kane and Juliet. Um, There are people, and and of course they are, you know, it's, it's worth saying right up front, they are Lily Kane supporters. They are very, very, very fervent Lily Kane supporters who believe that what happened in Tokyo was rape. They believe that because Kane was too drunk to, you know, make rational decisions and give consent that he was raped. This same issue came up a while back on The Bold and the Beautiful when Thomas slept with Caroline, who had been, um, you know, had taken some pills and had a couple of drinks and was perhaps not a, a, not a highly functioning human being at the time. Um, and I sort of see where they get this. I see where... Uh, more so in the in the case of Carolina Thomas, because he knew sort of that she was taking pills and that she was drinking, whereas I kind of look at Juliet and Kane and say they got drunk together. Now, I know that there are people out there you know who want to say that Juliet wasn't drunk or that Juliet drugged him, but there's no evidence of that, and I tend to go with what has been presented to me on the show as opposed to what may have happened so i you know i I do believe that Kane had um you know less ability to consent but for me here's the thing and i'll, I'll be interested to see what you think of this it, rape is a serious thing and it's to me it is in the eye of the victim not the beholder if someone says they were raped it becomes a whole different thing then it's like okay now i'm on you know i'm on your side now you are saying you are raped but but If at no point are you actually saying that, you know, Caroline went out of her way. Well, at first it was a little iffy, but eventually they wrote it that she went out of her way to say, no, Thomas did not take advantage of me. Uh, Kane has not really necessarily said he was taken advantage of. He said that he drank too much and maybe Juliet, you know, shouldn't have let him know. But does it rise to the level of the R word? Go. (laughs)
1: Well, Richard, uh, I guess it, it depends on what your perspective is in terms of how you're defining it. I, I think that the issue becomes real life is entirely different than fictional life. And I say that in when you bring up a topic, something that is extremely serious, something where, you know, even topically, uh, uh, there was something in the in the news lately I, I think it, it uh, was over uh, f- one of the fraternities and uh, it may or may not have involved uh, one of the uh education secretaries uh, where there's now a discussion about whether or not the definitions of rape and that there are certain things that if they happen in, in fraternities that, you know, it's expected that people are going to drink a lot, so maybe if something happens, it really shouldn't be rape. Okay, so let's go to this. If you're having sex with someone who does not consent, cannot consent, by legal definition, I mean, unless they do challenges and, and all sorts of other things, it's rape. So there's really no discussion about it, whether someone... I've known, back in college, I had done some peer counseling, and there were folks, both men and women, who came in for counseling who, by legal definition, were sexually assaulted. They were raped. But they themselves did not consider that they had been raped. There are also people who get into their mind that, well, it must have been something that I've done. So... To get into all of that, that's real world. When you get into the fictional world, I mean, they're, they're not real people. So it's a sort of a, a different mindset for me. When you're watching, you know, real life, you're watching court, different. Um, I think it's a fine line when you start bringing these things into, into discussion. You and I had a private discussion earlier. Uh, we'd done a, a feature on Subcentral about Ron Carlovati's five – Uh, best soap storylines, and one of them involved a uh, supposed romance with a character who was believed to have raped another character. A lot of people feel strongly about that. I've gotten tweets saying that, you know, by putting that in that list, we're condoning rape. Uh, Certainly not the case. Um,
0: And I want to defend you there because it's worth noting. The list was not a, um, it's a really good list. It's a really good article. I highly recommend it um it it was not a a list of the five funnest stories or the five you know even it wasn't even a list of the five most shocking stories. It was a list of five stories that that um are sort of in a way glimpses into the kind of stories that Ron Carlovati has told in the past. And I also want to defend that story. It took a lot of heat. I've said it before. I, it, he's talking about the story on One Life to Live with Todd and Marty when Marty had amnesia, and Todd basically was romancing her despite the fact that he had raped her, but she didn't remember this. And I defended this story as being a fantastic portrait of a damaged psychological being because in Todd's mind if he could make Marty a woman who he had done this horrible thing to if he could make her love him then he couldn't be the bad person that everybody believed him to be or at least he couldn't be as bad as everyone believed him to be and of course that makes no sense to it in in the real world I mean you still committed terrible Crime And she doesn't remember that you committed this terrible crime, but it was, it was a fantastic story. It took a lot of heat. It got cut short. Um, but in my mind, I, I thought it had, I agree with you. I thought it had, I thought it earned a position on that list because it was a controversial story. It was a well done story. And you know, I honestly, you and I've talked about this before. I wish soaps would take more chances and tell more stories that might anger part of the audience because if the audience is angry, they're talking, and they're you know they're talking amongst themselves, they're talking to other people, and 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 they're not the show isn't just sort of telling the same stagnant stories that it's told five hundred times over. It's the course of its life. It's telling stories that have a more modern bent and have a better chance at attracting the young audience that advertisers. But I also break.
1: think though I, I think that soap fans. Uh, And hear me out on this one. I think soap fans need to choose what they're going to be outraged over. And I say that not in regards to whether or not Kane, uh, whether the uh, assault should be considered or whether the the sex should be considered rape or an assault. For me, I tweeted something last week, I believe it was, where I mentioned that, you know, I know a lot of fans of Kane and Lily are not thrilled with the storyline. Understand it. I fully understand why, but I said that in in so much that, you know, the storyline may not be pleasing to their fans, that Daniel Goddard and Crystal Khalil were knocking it out of the park, that I was loving watching them. And a lane fan, I believe the Twitter I won't even actually you know what I'm not even gonna acknowledge the actual account, said to me that I, I was actually a hater. I was a lane hater because my comment about Crystal and Daniel doing great work was um i was surprised that they were doing it and i was saying that they've never done any my tweet meant that uh i've never thought that they've done any other work and why am i surprised because they're two phenomenal actors and the fact that i acknowledged that they were doing great work was a knock against their talents uh if you are interacting if you are a fan of a particular couple uh, I'm not necessarily speaking for Richard, but sure, what the hell, I'll speak for Richard. If you're a fan of a particular story, a particular actor, a particular soap, and someone in the media or someone in a, in a position that could be seen as being power, even though I have none, and you attack that person for acknowledging and supporting the same thing that you like, probably not a good idea. Probably a really good way for whatever it is that you like to end up being dashed to hell if now people are saying, hey, you know, we're saying that the, the folks involved in this storyline are doing a really good job and, and the fans are telling us, you know, shut up, don't say anything, then they don't get covered. Then maybe they don't get front pages on websites or on magazines. I don't know. Uh, I just think if you're going to be outraged, pick something legitimate to be outraged over. Don't get upset with someone who's saying that your favorites are doing a good job. That's all.
0: I completely agree, and and you know, for the record, I kind of come down on the side of don't get outraged. It's a soap opera, you know. I mean, oh, it's great that. to be great to be fully invested in your characters. Obviously, we both, uh, and and I'll speak for you, just as you spoke for me. We both love the passion of soap fans. I mean, you know, soap fans are are why we're here. They're why we get to do the amazing things that we do for a living. We love it, but. If you get to the point where you are, you know, sending vile tweets to actors or accusing people who cover the shows of things, it sort of becomes, you know, maybe you need to back away from the television a little bit. Maybe just, you know, step away a few steps and and think about the fact that, you know, that that you are talking – it's very easy on Twitter to send anonymous tweets and not really think about the person on the other end who's going to read it. Um, So, you know, I, I do not approve of, and I, and I sort of, whenever I see it, block people who send really nasty messages to actors. It's one thing to not like a character, but to send nasty messages to an actor who is playing a character is just not really, you know, that, that's not very kosher in my book. And you know, more often than not, it is, you know, the most passionate fans you will find out there are the single couple shippers. You know, the people who, who have mm-hmm. one couple that they love and watch the show for. And I'm and, and please understand when I say this, I am not speaking when I say these things of all single couple shippers. Most single couple shippers, just like most Dan Krolls, are perfectly lovely, wonderful human beings.
2: But there are
0: <laughs> but, there, but there are a few who spoil it for everyone else. I can't think of any Dan J. Coles who spoil it for everyone else. But 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 uh-huh. you know, there are some shippers who take things to that next level where it's just too intense and like honestly I've gotten to the point to be quite frank, I've gotten to the point where um I sort of stop replying to a lot of people. I read every single tweet that comes to me, just as I know you read every single tweet that comes to you. Um, and I, in the past I've tried to, you know, like I'll engage with people and try and have a conversation or a discussion, especially if they seem really angry with something I've said. <laughs> but at times I find that it's just not worth it because they are not going to, you know, hear what I'm saying. Now I will also say one of the things I've loved about this podcast over the years and certainly since I, I brought it back a couple of months ago is I have had several people on the show who in the past have thought that we, you know, that we've had, let's go with bitter exchanges on Twitter. <laughs> and and they have come on the show, and we've actually each, we've had conversations, you know, we've had actual discussions. we've We've been able to find a mutual ground where it's like, I don't agree with everything you're saying, but I understand it and I respect it. You know, I've had this conversation with some Julexus fans, that's Julian and Alexis from General Hospital, some Lane fans, um, Lillian Kane from The Young and the Restless. It's, it's been so helpful for me because I really like hearing their point of view and I like having more than 160 characters to actually try and explain how I feel and what I think about things. I like talking about my feelings, Dan.
1: I have a question, then, that maybe you can help me understand. I will, I will explain this, that uh, I'm someone who doesn't necessarily ship a couple. I'm someone who doesn't even really like to use that word because it just, it's just seems, I don't know, I'm going to ship it's
0: it You don't like using that word because you're a little bit of a prude, and you're worried that you're going to slip and say the wrong word.
1: Yes, Richard, you are so full of ship. Uh,
0: no. So, like, and I don't watch television
1: shows for a particular couple. I may tune in for a particular performer. Like there have been plenty of new shows that have uh, debuted in the fall. I'm like, hey, I really like so-and-so. I'm going to check in. My love for an actor isn't net, or actress, uh, just to make sure people realize I'm, I'm making it gender neutral, uh, for a performer, doesn't mean that I'm going to watch crap. Um so I, I say that too. I, I really sort of need the explanation. There always seems to be people who are writing saying that if you break up X, I'm never watching the show again because that's the only thing I watch for. And for me, I'll, uh, taking the, the point of this being job related and you know, I have to watch the shows for, for what I do, Richard, of course, you as well. Um, I mean, although I suppose you have minions that you could make do everything and, and just kick back somewhere on a cruise ship and not really watch the shows, maybe. I don't know. 102 um,
0: days. One hundred and five days. <laughs> I knew there was a countdown. I'd do it. Uh, so if if I like
1: X couple and Y couple um, uh, and, and they break up for whatever reason, I'm not – I don't know. I don't have the temperament that says, oh, I hate this show. I'm never going to watch it again And flipping um, – Typically, if there's only really one thing that I like about an entire show, particularly if it's an hour show, I end up not watching it. On the flip of that, like a show like Grey's Anatomy, I love Sandra Oh. I love when she was on Christina Yang and when she announced that she was leaving, I'm like, oh my God, one of the things that I love best about this show is going away. Uh, this is going to be devastating. But it didn't mean that I all of a sudden hated Grey's Anatomy and was tweeting Shonda Rhimes to say that you know she's a horrible person for letting this, this actress leave and they should have kept her and I'm never watching your show and I'm never doing any of this. Uh, so like I, I don't get that. I don't understand whether it maybe it's it's hyperbole, people trying to make a point, or if there really are people that are sitting and watching a show that they absolutely hate hoping to catch six minutes of one particular couple. And to me, like, I don't know that I understand that. Why would you, I don't know. I don't know why you would put yourself through that uh, to something that you're basically telling me you hate all of it, except for one thing. That doesn't make sense.
0: I I am 100% the same. I, I always say I don't ship couples. I, I, if I'm going to ship anything and I kind of agree, that is kind of a silly word, but, but if I ship anything, it's stories. I ship stories. Now, if there was a show that I was watching that had 20 stories on it and I only liked one of them, I don't think I would continue to watch, you know, that would be, that would be probably, because I mean, honestly, I have too much, there's too much good stuff out there. And, and I'd like to think I have at least some life to live, you know, that that would be like, in fact, I'll give you a great example. Um, Earlier this Uh year, I started, I started watching daytime divas, the the VH1 show that's based on Star Jones's book about life at, what was she on the the shoe? No, the view. She was Mm -hmm. on the view. Uh, So I I started watching it and, and it was fun and I enjoyed it. And I mainly started watching because I really love Vanessa Williams. I've been a fan of hers for quite a while, (laughs) but especially since the ugly Betty years, Mm -hmm. I tuned in and I, and I watched it and I watched the first like five or six episodes and it was okay, but it didn't really it didn't land me, you know. It was like I kept watching, but I was watching more because I kept waiting for it to get better. And I finally, I had two episodes backed up this week, and I was like, you know what, I'm just not going to watch this. I've got other shows I want to check out, other things I watch regularly. So, you know, I, I just – and it's just not it's just not worth it to me. So I do. I, I kind of see what you're saying because I feel the same way that, that – it would take a lot for me to you know to watch a show just for one couple now i interestingly a week or two ago i had a caller who's a very big lane fan and who i've talked about i've talked on um twitter with before and i was really interested in her story because she is a huge lane fan i believe that she had you know, basically said they were the only thing she was watching the show for, but she's also watched the show since long before they were on, you know, um, Mm -hmm. she is now, she, I I believe she might've come back for them. Like she checked into the show, started watching and, and got really hooked on this couple, but they are the only thing that she continues to watch for. Um, that makes a little bit more sense to me than, than somebody who's been watching the show a long time. Um, Uh, You know, let me get your take on this because this is something that we, uh, you know, that is very hot, very topical right now, especially with William Devries' contract status. But, um, you know, the Julian and Alexis fans are a great example of a very devoted fan base that has a mindset I don't quite understand. And that is this. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm dead serious. This is what I, I don't want to understand. hear why. I want to
1: hear the explanation. I can't wait to hear the explanation. Go ahead. Shoot.
0: Here's what I don't understand. So many of, you know, a lot of the fans in the Julian and Alexis fan base group or the Julexus Army have said, yes, we know he tried to kill her and we really hate that. Yes, it would make Alexis look weak to take him back. But it's a soap opera. We're okay. Go with it. Put them back together. We don't care. And that boggles my mind because I'm like, if I am such a, if I'm a big fan of these characters, if I'm a big fan of Alexis, and I am. I love Nancy Lee Grant. She's one of my favorite people, and I love this story, and I love William Devey. I think he's a great actor. But if I'm a big fan of a character who is who I perceive as being a strong woman, I don't want to see her go back just because they have great chemistry together. I'm sorry you you know you had this great couple and you kind of screwed it up and. Are there ways that you can make me fall in love with them again? Yes, but it's going to take something big. It's going to take a big, grand, romantic gesture. It's not going to be just, well, they have good chemistry, so if you want to put them back together, I'm okay with it. That boggles my mind.
1: You try to kill me, you're never coming back.
0: Ever. Exactly. Sorry. Exactly. I I mean, it just, for
1: anything, it, it just doesn't make sense. Now, I mean, we do have... Let's, let's pick, for example, someone like Tina Turner, who a lot of people see as a very strong woman. And in the past, when she had been with Ike Turner and there was an abusive relationship, a lot of times when people are in abusive relationships, people say, oh, my God, I can't believe that you did that. I can't believe that you would allow yourself to there's, – there's, it's a difference. It's not as easy as somebody saying, oh, look, this person is being attacked. Clearly they should know to walk away. Um, there's a whole lot that goes into that, and certainly we can't discuss it in in the course of the podcast. I think people understand the point of that. I think for this,
0: it also I comes don't down to the that, difference, as you said earlier, between fictional and and right. and you know fictional and real life. There's a huge difference there.
1: But I don't think they ever established like the, the Julexis relationship was never established as the you know air quotes battered woman. It was never said the thing that gets me um I enjoyed watching the storyline, particularly, and I hope that if I, I mean I hope Nancy listens, but I hope that she's not listening at this particular moment. you know there's been from all that time when we had the Brian Franz reign at ABC daytime, there was pretty much this belief that anyone who was over the age of thirty five should be put in a home and never seen again because they were old, unattractive, and should just you know go to that. Horse farm that you were trying to send me to. Um, then you have someone who is over 35. I know that because Nancy has a daughter who, biologically, she couldn't be any younger. So she, Nancy Legrand is, what, maybe 36 and a half at most. <laughs> uh, I say that, that you, know, you have someone who's an, a person over that age, that imaginary 35 age, who was in a hot couple who nobody was looking at them and saying, oh my God, look at these geriatric people having sex. No, they were hot. It didn't matter. You had great chemistry. And for whatever reason, I know that couples are broken up. You can say, people can say, you know, Lily and Kane were amazing on The Young, the Restless. Why are they doing this to break them up? There's the part of me that for certain things say, hey, if they're so great, they should be able to find their way back to each other after uh, some sort of trials and tribulations. That proves that they were an amazing couple to begin with. If they don't, well then maybe they weren't as great as what you thought. Here, they easily, easily could have broken up Julian and Alexis on General Hospital in so many, many ways. You know, get upset that he's still doing mob things, walk away, great, wonderful, done.
0: Have him take an affair. Exactly. The decision to have
1: him try to kill her, I don't – I understand. Plot devices and great. But then when you have people who are upset with you – it's you. You made the decision. You could have done millions and millions of ways if you needed to get them separated, if you wanted to get rid of an actor, or whatever the reason is for whatever things are done, soaps or soaps, business or business. I, I just don't know why you would have something that was money um, that a lot of people seem to like, regardless of, of gender, regardless of the age, the demographic range. A lot of people really enjoyed it. There was a lot of story there to tell. And then they've done something, that I just don't think you can come back from even me wanting and enjoying the character I as a logical thinking person I just don't I just don't see yes it's fiction and I know I talked at the top about you know there's a difference between the fiction and the reality of it this is one of those things that even in fiction I just don't know that I can condone them putting back someone relatively quickly that said, oh, yeah, sure. Remember that knife he held to my throat? I forgive you. Kissy, kissy, wink, wink, happy face emojis. It doesn't work for me on any level. And I'm more upset with the fact that they chose to do that than they split them up. Because as I said, I don't watch any show for one particular couple. I may like them but the fact that that's how they chose to break them up and now they don't know what to do because people are upset and because they can't really put them back together and and pretend that this didn't happen that's what i'm upset about as someone who watches it you've got so many things on general hospital that aren't working many and many think, things are not working things, and i
0: think and, and, and i up. think this goes back to one of the biggest and that is the badly, badly, badly broken moral compass that is the majority of the canvas on General Hospital. I mean, you know, it's, they have, General Hospital has gotten to a place where it routinely, routinely, literally routinely has its lead characters do horrific things with no consequence and i think that they thought this would be just another case where you know okay yeah julian's going to do this horrible horrible thing but you know we'll just write our way back around it and you know and and i think the audience is getting really fed up with it i mean when when they had the scene yesterday where ava who has done terrible terrible things was at the gravestone of morgan and Sunny and Carly came up, who have done terrible, terrible things. And when Carly mm-hmm. got in Sunny's, when Carly got in Ava's face and said, "Finally, your face is as ugly as your soul," my Twitter feed was so grossed out by that. Even people who like Carly and Sunny were like, "Guys, come on, that's really hypocritical given your past behavior." And and you know, or Valentine just sort of getting away with you know. Like he 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 killed Nicholas. He shot Kevin. He's done terrible terrible things. And a phone call from from you know Robert whoever's running the WSB these days. And Anna was sort of casually like, well you know okay he got away with it this time. Shucks, it's it's bothersome because there's so much. You know we live in a world where we need you know crime needs to be punished. We need to see good triumph over evil. And right now there is no defining boundary, because all of the heroes of General Hospital are bad guys, and the few that aren't, like Dante, don't get a storyline. You know, like, when's the last time Dante had an actual storyline that didn't involve, like, a baby?
1: <laughs> Never. Uh, back, I guess, when he found out who he was, that he was Sonny's kid. I-, I think here's the thing. If you're doing these things, and if you can't come up with a a, a realistic way to have a bad deed justified or to uh, you know, come up to, with some sort of terms to it, you don't do it. You don't just keep having people shoot people. I mean, yes, in the real mob, I'm sure there are people who you know killed in, in cement shoes and all the other stuff for years and years and years and are never caught, and then you know, they bring you down on tax evasion like they did uh, Al Capone. Uh, I think for certain things, it, it just it just doesn't work. I mean, if somebody has to be there and say, hey, didn't last November sweeps, didn't we have so-and-so kill somebody and they got off on a technicality because, you know, there's a, a obscure law in Port Charles that says on Thursdays you can kill people between the hours of 3 and 4 p.m.? Uh, I, like, I, I think it's insulting. Like you said, I mean, it's just at the point where the things that are supposed to give payoff, long-lost sisters – um you know, mystery illnesses, uh, murder mysteries, things where there should be a payoff, and you put all this time into it, and you get, and you get, and you get, and you're putting up with it for three months, and then you get some really, really lame, unthought-out plot resolution that makes you ask yourself, why did I watch this? I was waiting for a big payoff. Hey, these are these secret sisters. Let's wait for the sparks, and nothing. And then and you, know you have people who are doing bad
0: things. It just it doesn't make sense. And you know what's interesting is if you look at Bold and the Beautiful, one of the things Bold and the Beautiful does that's fascinating to me, and they do it all the time and they do it brilliantly, you know 99% of the time where a Bold and the Beautiful plot is going. You know you know that, okay, you know, at some point we're building toward this event. This is going to happen. And despite the fact that you know it's coming, when they play the fallout, it's always it's always good. You know, it's like you knew it was going there. And yet when it got there, it turned out to be, they, they, they they played it good because they, they're giving the audience what the audience needs. They're giving them the fallout that they expect from an event. And we're not getting that on general hospital right now. I mean, you look at Liz and Hayden, there was no payoff to that. You know, what was the point of us all going to Cassadine Island And and having Nick be murdered and Kevin shot and then we get back and there's no fallout from it there's no consequence Claudette fallout of the Claudette story you know like there was just there's no payoff and I can't help wondering if this is a problem of a couple things writing by committee but also not writing long term story sort of like you know going week to week or maybe a couple months in advance but not saying okay this is our story it's going to start here and and we're building it and 6 months from now it'll do this and a year from now it'll do this. And I think that's so important to strong soap opera storytelling. I think you have to I'm not saying that it has to be written in stone but you have to have at least some idea of when you when you set a series of events in motion. What the actual payoff is going to be, and what's going to happen as a result of that payoff. I think this problem has existed for a while on General Hospital. I mean, you look all the way back to when when they they started the Jake Doe story, who would eventually be revealed as Jason. You know, one of the things that a lot of viewers, including myself, were really looking forward to was the fallout when when it was revealed that Liz knew the truth, and there was no mm-hmm. fallout, none. Nothing happened, you know. Like, like I had this whole story in my head where, where everybody in Port Charles would rip her to shreds, and then she would all of a sudden stand in front of them and say, "How dare you, you hypocrites! Look at everything you have done, and you are going to judge me for doing this in the name mm. of love." I had a chance to have a, you know, like like there was, there was a there, there was a possibility for this amazing payoff, and instead it just sort of. Fell aside and went to the next story. Same with the Chimera. What was the fallout of the Chimera? What actual fallout has there been
1: there from the Chimera? None. 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 And
0: Just that's the drinking a drinking game.
1: I'm like literally. That's what I think it was. <laughs> it was all to make a drinking game.
0: And that's a problem because soap operas are about the payoff. They're about on your wedding day you find out that your your long lost sister is is alive. They're about you know events having consequences. They're about cascades. They're about crescendos. And and if it's all build up and then no payoff, at that point you're not in my book, in my opinion, you are not doing good soap opera at that point.
1: So I agree. And something too that if you're gonna do that, like on the bold and the beautiful where you have somebody shoot somebody and then everybody, even the person who gets shot, is covering it up. I mean, that's slightly more fun than having someone get shot and killed and you just get away with it. I mean I don't know. There's also, just there's, there's, there's bits and pieces some, of things.
0: If you're going to kill somebody, they're dead. Stop bringing them back. I agree. Yes, back from the deads have been a long have a long history in soaps, but it used to be the rarity. It used to be the exception. There used to be like, you know, it was a true shock. Now it's shocking if a character does stay dead because, and and you know what, soap fans sort of do this to themselves in a way because how many times have we heard this? Oh my God, I hate when people come back from the dead. I hate when people come back from the dead. But if Nicholas decided to come back from the dead, I'd yep. be okay with it. <laughs> you know, um, you know, we're almost to the end of the show here, and I've got a couple callers on no. hold. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a couple calls if you want to stay here and answer some questions with me. Um, I'll, I'll listen. Um, let's go. Bring them in. It'll be fun. All right. Let's see. All right. Seven three four. Seven three four. You're on the air. What you got for us?
2: Oh, uh, yeah, this is um Suzanne. And hi, Suzanne. I had spoke to Hi. I had spoke to you a couple weeks ago about uh General Hospital. Maybe it was about a month ago. And you had asked me to call back and let you know if my opinion of the show had changed at all. Um, I was kinda on the fence of am I going to keep watching this show or not? And I agree with everything you've been talking about as far as there is no payoff, you know, these, all this evil that's on the show, nobody pays for anything. And it just, it's the same thing over and over. Um, Um, I I I don't think, think, I I don't know if, Do the producers or the writers listen to any of the viewers? Are things going to change, or is it just going to keep going on like this? I thought it would get better. I gave it more time. You told me to give you a call back. It's just not, it's, you know, it's always sunny running in and saving the day you know, the the same bad people not paying for anything. It's the same thing over and over. And like you said, there's no payoff for anything. Um, the only thing I really have been enjoying um, was is Spencer. I, I love that character and his whole story. But probably what's going to happen is, you know, no one will pay for kidnapping him or whatever's going on now.
0: You know, I think one of the built-in problems with the format of the show right now, as far as General Hospital is concerned, is um, that mob stories are, by nature, cyclical in this format. If you're doing a movie like The Godfather, you know, you can end it with a big showdown and lots of people get killed and you know, the end of the movie. But when you make your lead characters mobsters, they can't ever really be punished because the story has to go on. Um, Folks, if you're listening live, um we're about to lose the feed and uh so I wanna thank you for listening. We're gonna continue. We've got another caller here on the line. I'm gonna take that call and answer another uh, or or get their feedback. Again, if you, you're listening this you Dan Kroll has been on the line with us. You wanna say goodbye, Dan?
1: Bye everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. It was a uh, fun We're to gonna be back.
0: continue for we're gonna continue for a few more minutes. Dan, send out a shout out to yourself.
1: Oh, hey, if you want to follow me and see what I'm up to with my shenanigans, Soaps and Kroll Manor, follow me at Dan J. Kroll on Twitter, or you can, of course, see what we're doing in the world of soaps over at SoapsCentral.com.
0: And I, of course, am Richard Sims, the executive editor at Soaps In Depth, and you all know you can find me just about everywhere. We're going to continue, so if you're listening to this in the archives, <laughs> never fear, we're going to go on for a few more minutes, um, because I want, to, I want to give these people who have very patiently sat on the line a chance to um, respond to the things Dan and I have been blathering about. But um, Suzanne, I understand exactly what you're saying. And and I do think that this is a problem that the show is going to see. And that is, you know, the ratings have not been going up and there's kind of a lot, there seems to be a lot of viewer dissatisfaction, at least what I see on Twitter. Of course, Twitter only represents a part of the audience. And so it's, mm-hmm. I feel like, yes, there has to be something, something has to change at some point. And the thing that frustrates me about General Hospital, and Dan, I think you'll agree with this, is there are days when it's an awesome show. There are days when, like, the script is amazing and the actors are amazing and they're telling stories that I really care about. But those days don't really balance out with some of the other stuff that we're seeing happening much more often. You know, there's more, like I have more days where the show isn't awesome for me than I do that it is awesome for me. Would you agree, Dan?
1: I do. And it, it pains me because I feel like I really want to watch General Hospital. I, I want to love it. You know, there are so many people that are on the show from a, an acting standpoint whose work I enjoy. I don't know if it's a matter and maybe Suzanne can weigh in on this. Maybe it's just the fact that there are just too many people and that when you have that many people then you have to figure out, you know, contractually, well how many days are we allowed to show this person on before we reach our salary cap there and and you know, do we only have this person for so long because they're on recurring? It just seems that they want to try to do too many things. It's like me when I, I inevitably I want to go to the kitchen to get a snack then I pass the plants that need to be watered, and then I water the plants, and then I realize that, oh, I have laundry that needs to be done, and then I forget what I went out to do in the first place. I think there's a lot of that in the storytelling, where I feel like they want to do good stuff, like they have the ideas of the Hayden and Liz- Elizabeth, you said, and, and the chimera, and then maybe they're out of time, and they don't have the people anymore, or don't have the money, and then boom, you're, you know, you're back to another storyline kicking off, that doesn't go anywhere, and it's hard to convince people to tune in when they don't know if they're going to be tuning in for one of the days where you, we just talked about or if it's going to be a day that something good actually happens, and that's kind of a shame.
0: Mm-hmm. Suzanne, would you agree with that, that one of the problems is that I think you and I have talked about this before, that the cast is just so bloated that people disappear for long periods of time?
2: Uh, yeah, that—that that is a major problem, in the storylines just – stop and pick up and and it's it's hard to invest in anything on that show um and i just i'm wondering do the producers and writers do does do they understand there's a problem or do they just think i i don't know how all of that works but it's just it's very well, that's frustrating a to me wheel.
1: Thing. Um, I think, Suzanne, I think it's a squeaky wheel. You know, is it the people who are complaining on Twitter are just a really vocal bunch that represent a minority of people who are dissatisfied? Um, like I remember going back to when Bianca came out on All My Children, if I went by just the emails that I got in the beginning, it would have seemed to me that every single person watching All My Children was outraged that they were having a lesbian character. Um, Is it just that the people who are upset have a reason to tweet, and people who are happy are like, hey, I love the show. I've really got nothing to say, and I have to get worked up. So how do you balance that as a show producer who's looking to say, um, all of these people uh, who are saying that, things aren't good, well, they're just the minority because, you know, 2 million people, 3 million people are watching, and here's 200 people on Twitter that aren't happy. Clearly they're the minority.
0: And I think that same thing happens with the fan groups, you know, whether it's Julexis or Lane or any other um, you know, j liaison, whoever, is that they can sometimes be looked at as, you know, yes, yes, we know that they're upset, but they're a small portion of the audience, but The problem can become if you get enough of those small portions of the audience together, you know, if it's like four or five different fan bases who all support different things and they all don't like what you're doing, that's a problem. And I think it's worth saying, and I think this is really, really important to acknowledge, nobody, nobody at any SOAP, whether you're talking about Frank Valentini or the head writers at General Hospital or the writers at The Young and the Russell, or The Bold and the Beautiful or Days of Our Lives, nobody sets out to make bad soap opera you know nobody is sitting down and saying you know what the audience is really gonna hate if we do this i think part of i i I would actually love to know and, and dan and i talk about this all the time as do charlie and i i'd love to know where the disconnect is like like i watch stuff on my screen sometimes with with and it's happened with all the shows at one point or another and you're like how did, you know, in, in in today's environment, you have the executive producer, the executives, the producers, the, the head writers, the staff writers, the script writers, the breakdown writers. How does nobody in that room, as you're having the conversation of what this story is going to be, how does nobody say, yeah, that's not good? You know, uh, how does how does. How does that not happen? And I don't understand that. I really literally do not understand. It's one thing for an occasional bad story to get through. But but when really big bad stories get through and they don't get nipped in the bud, or when time after time after time you're seeing the same exact problem unfold in a story, how is nobody in that room saying, you know, we've tried this and people don't seem to like this. Maybe we should try something else. Um, We're going to get another voice here on the line. We've got one more caller on the line. Suzanne, thanks for calling, and I'm sorry that you um, ended up on a week when Dan and I just blathered the whole episode away. But um, I am interested in hearing more from you. I am interested in hearing more from you, and I'll be interested to see whether you decide to continue to tune in. Not to this show, because I know you'll continue to tune in to this show, but whether you continue (laughs) to tune in to uh, General Hospital. Uh, 218, 218, you're on the line with both myself and the amazing
3: Dan Cole. Who do I got? Yay. Hi, this is Sharon. Hey, Sharon, how are you? I'm doing good, Richard. How are you? And and nice to speak with Dan. Yeah, let's not show too much love to Dan.
0: His head gets really big, and you know, nobody wants that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and heaven forbid that should happen. (laughs) I just wanted to say I could listen to you guys for hours. I mean, you you've been walking around in my mind because everything you're saying is things that I have, you know, thought about quite often, especially watching GH, because that is my favorite one. But I know you were talking earlier about the the fans and their interpretation or their concept of what is rape and what isn't. And I agree with you as far as when someone is incapacitated with alcohol or whatever, if it's both parties in the situation like it was with Kane and uh, I can't even think of her name. Sorry. Juliet. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that they were both pretty inebriated at the time, but then there are storylines where only one person has been drinking and the other one hasn't. And not necessarily that it's an issue of rape, but more or less taking advantage of a situation. Mhm. And I don't agree with that. That that's underhanded, you know. And the prime example that that I can give you is the story between Dante and Valerie in at the very beginning when the the first initial. Mhm. Uh, encounter happened he had been drinking heavily she hadn't been drinking at all and that to me was a let's take advantage of this situation that i want more than the other party does Hmm. and that to me is kind of underhanded but i understand why they did it and i didn't like the storyline at all however Like you said earlier, there were some amazing performances. And as much as I didn't enjoy the story, because for the most part, I'm a huge Dante and Lulu fan, always have been. And a lot of my friends that are also Dante and Lulu fans did not understand why it didn't bother me as much as it did them. And it was mainly because of the great performances we were seeing. The only thing that really did upset me more than anything was, again, something you mentioned. They completely changed a personality. They take one individual that you've watched for years and you've watched them develop a moral compass in this character and all of a sudden the character is doing the exact opposite and you're sitting there saying, no, he would not do that. And that's where it gets difficult for me because everybody has personality quirks and everybody has issues come up that create them acting in a way that they wouldn't normally do. But to take a character his innermost character, his, his moral compass, regardless of who the character is, and completely turn it inside out, is is not only hard to accept, but it's hard to watch because you know inside that this isn't right. And I loved Ron Carlovati's writing. I enjoyed a lot of it. But when that particular storyline came up, I think that pushed the envelope too much, and I, I understand. Yes, they were looking at a way to split Dante and Lulu to see if there was interest in them going in another direction from viewers, and I get that. But I just think it was it was tough to watch, and if you're a if you're a fan of the character and the actor, it's hard to to watch them. Trying to become someone you know they're not. Does that make sense? It
0: totally does. I think that's and I think that's you know that's a case of and Dan and I talk about this a lot of forcing a plot on an act uh, on a on a character that doesn't necessarily fit. Like you know you want to do this particular plot, and you know maybe it would work better with another set of characters than it does with this one. Um, but you know the thing that's interesting to me is. I talk a lot about how I would like to see soaps sort of modernized. You know, I'd like to see them tackling issues. I, I, and this is a great example of a topic. Like I would love for them to do a story where Cain accused Juliet of rape and let's play it out in the court, and let's play it in, and let's really examine all different sides of this, you know, like, like, her saying I never saw it that way we were both drunk him saying you don't get it I you know you, you you there's just so much to play there same thing with um I mean originally I loved and I've talked about this before I loved that they introduced Juliet as a strong woman who after having slept with Kane she was like it's not a big deal you know we we had sex it happens it's not a big deal I know you're married and I'm really sorry and it's, a, it's cool. It's a secret. It'll never come out. And then play Cain, allowing his guilt over it to be the thing, almost like the telltale heart, uh, that sort of starts to give him away. And then you can still play Juliet's Pregnancy, and have her decide, you know what, Give, I'm a modern woman, this is an accident, I didn't mean this to happen, I'm going to have an abortion. And that freaked Cain out, not because he wants the baby, but because he doesn't believe in abortion. I mean, like, there's so many things you can do that that elevate a story to a new level where it's it's not basically the same story that we've seen before, and it it, it allows this this character of Juliet to be a strong modern woman who, you know, yes, her morals may, uh, it may morally outrage some of the audience, but I don't think there's, I don't think it's a bad thing to have people sort of talking because they are morally outraged by a set of values that don't agree with theirs. And Dan, um, we're wrapping this up now. So I'm going to give you the last word here, uh, whether it's on that or any other topic that you'd like to wrap us up on here.
1: I'll wrap it up on that. You had mentioned there are so many things that you can do just in general. I think you talked earlier about you know, the back from the dead. Let's, not, uh, let's keep a character dead. How about this? If you don't want to get into an issue of something sticky being uh, possibly uh, objectionable, let's stop having rape be a plot line every couple of months. Let's not make it that it just becomes the go-to, like the back from the dead. Like the multiple personality disorders, not like doing quickie uh, alcohol abuse where someone becomes an alcoholic for a sweep story and then a couple years they forget and they're drinking champagne.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, things like
1: that. Let's just not play fast and loose with things that are serious. Let, there are so many other things that can be told. Why not tell some of those other stories? Why not?
0: Why not? And that is sort of what we generally talk about here a lot is why not and what if. Dan, I I really did not intend to I, I when I invited you earlier today, I hoped you would show up. I certainly didn't intend to keep you for like, you know, eighty five minutes. And but I am really, really glad because honestly, I miss when we've had the opportunity to do this. I love talking soaps in general and I really love talking soaps with you because it's it's fun. I always come away from it seeing things from a slightly different perspective. And it's, it's nice, you know, not to have an echo chamber where it's just me and people agreeing with everything I say. <laughs> not that I don't love when people agree with everything I say, because they, let's, let's be honest, I do. Um, but it's also nice just because, you know, I think people miss hearing you. I, I know I do, so I'm glad to have you here.
1: We'll wait until we do our special live video version of this show from the pool at Croll Manor coming up hopefully in a couple of weeks. Spoiler alert, it's going to be fun if it happens.
0: It is going to happen, and spoiler alert, don't tune in looking for nudity because I'm going to be wearing a head-to-toe bodysuit. It doesn't mean I'm going to be by the pool. does not mean I'm going to be, you know, no, 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 no. That happens... I, I take off my shirt one place and one place only, and that is the aforementioned bedroom when I am alone and the lights are off. Even I don't want to see that.
1: I shower with my clothes on, so it'll it's, be fine. i we'll have a never-nude. Remember,
0: remember Tobias from, uh, from Arrested Development? He was a never-nude. He showered in his jean shorts. That's that's me. Dan, thank you so much for coming, and, and give yourself one more round of shout-outs.
1: Oh, I was giving myself applause, but if you would have fired me,
0: well, you find me for, on You Twitter. and Lady Gaga live for the applause.
1: <laughs> find me at Dan J. Kroll. That's where I talk about everything that's not necessarily soap-related. If you want to hear some of the soap stuff, you can follow me on Twitter at Soap Central or visit SoapCentral.com. And like I said, for everything else, including lots of music and, and randomness, follow me at Dan J. Kroll on Twitter. Thanks, Richard, for having
0: me. Maybe one more time. Thanks, thanks, Dan, for being here. And as always, I'm your host, Richardson, the executive editor at Soaps In Depth Magazine. And you can find me at Soaps In Depth ABC, at Soaps In Depth CBS, at How Rude Are You, at I Tweet Primetime Shows, at All TV All Shade. I have more Twitter handles than than Dan has doorknobs at Crawl Manor. And you can find me on all of them. You can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash uh, As always, I really want to thank you for showing up. And if you have a topic you want to discuss, hit me on Twitter or send me a message or send me an email, and we'll uh, get to it on the next show. And as always, remember that because it soaps, what do you have to do? That's right. Tune in tomorrow.